I'm wrapping up a series called The Comeback. It's never too late. The Comeback. And I believe today's message is going to be so helpful to you. I really believe it will be one of the most helpful messages all year long. I believe every message is always helpful, but I just really believe this message is going to speak deeply to some hearts. And I want to talk to you from this thought. What do you do when a comeback is not possible? What do you do when a comeback is not possible? I, I, I love comeback stories. I think all of us love comeback stories. We, we love just to hear a good, successful comeback story of, of how people turn a setback into a comeback, how a person goes from sorrow, sorrow to joy, or from, from hurting to healed, or from loss to gain. We just love to hear a good comeback story, but, but the reality is not all stories or our comeback story. And so what do we do when in life we go through a, a time, a period when a comeback doesn't happen? It's just not possible. What do you do when the loved one has died? They're not coming back or the business is gone or the divorce is final or your dream home gets foreclosed on. The, the comeback is not possible. It's, it's happened. It's done. It's, it's over. And I know this feeling. I know this season of life from personal experience. All the way back to my growing up days, I could go back to high school when my parents divorced. It, it was final. It was, it was over. They did not get back together. It impacted our lives. What do you do when a comeback's not possible? I remember in 2010, burying my mother, who passed away at 54 years old. Comeback's not possible. She's dead. Mother's Day's coming up next week. She's gone at the age of 54. A comeback's not possible. I remember last fall, my brother at the age of 46, preaching his funeral. Last fall with tears streaming down my eyes. He's gone. He's dead. A comeback is not possible. What do you do in life when a comeback is not possible? How do you respond? What does the Bible say to do when a comeback is not possible? Today, I want to look at a story in 1 Kings chapter number 17, and we're going to look at verses 7 through 15. And let me give a little context because I believe this story helps us discover answers to how we respond when a comeback's not possible. And this story is about a widow lady. And this, this widow in 1 Kings chapter 17, her, her husband has obviously died and there's a famine in the land and, and she's, she, 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 her husband has been the provider for all of these years. So she doesn't have a way to bring in income. Food is running short. Matter of fact, the scripture says that she has just a little oil left, just a little flour left. And she's actually planning to make her last meal and her and her son. She has a son she's trying to take care of. And her and her son are going to eat their last meal and die. And all of this is transpiring because her husband is dead. He's not coming back. There's not a comeback happening. He is gone. And how do we respond when a comeback is not possible? This story teaches us how 
to respond. Number one is this, when a, a comeback is not possible, remember God knows right where you are. It's so key to understand this. Remember, God knows right where you are. When a comeback is not possible, the sly and sneaky and deceptive devil will not only just talk to you, but when a comeback's not possible, he will shout at you. And he loves to shout, he loves to talk, and every time the devil opens his mouth and talks, or every time he shouts, he always lies. The Bible calls him a liar, the father of lies. And Genesis chapter number three, it calls the lying devil a snake. And that lying snake always shows up on the scene when a comeback's not possible, and he starts shouting lies at you. Anybody remember my snake moves? And that's what he does. He shows up and he's so sly. And when a comeback's not possible, let me tell you what the devil will say to you. He starts lying to you. God isn't with you. God's not for you. God doesn't care about you. Listen, God isn't real. That's why you're going through what you're going through. And if God is real, he sure doesn't care about you. He sure doesn't care about what you're going through. You're just so small. You're just so insignificant. God doesn't care about you. And when a comeback's not possible, the devil always shows up to try to give you a knockout blow. He always tries to take you and me out. And what you have to understand is this. God does care about you. God does know what you're going through. God knows exactly where you are. Listen to what God tells Elijah about this widow lady in 1 Kings chapter 17. And and verse number 9 it says, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. I want you to notice God knew her husband was dead. He knew he, she was a widow. He, he knew there was a famine in the land. He, he knew she was running out of food and down to her last meal. So he tells Elijah, go at once. I need you to go now. I don't need you to, to delay. I know where this lady is. I know what she's going through. I know she's down to her last food. And listen, God did not forget about her. God did not abandon her. He knew exactly where she was. And friends, when a comeback is not possible, you need to know that God knows exactly where you are. He has not forgotten about you. He he cares about you. He loves you. Do not believe the lie of the enemy that says God has forgotten about you and he doesn't even know where you are. It reminds me of the psalmist in Psalms chapter 46 and, and verse number one. He says, God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in trouble. Come on, everybody shout, ever-present. And if you're a follower of Christ, God is present with you in trouble. He knows where you are. He hasn't forgotten about you. And he's ever-present in the midst of your storm, in the midst of your trouble. He is with you. It's so important that you understand this. When a comeback's not possible, God knows right where you are, and he's present. Number two is this. Number two is this. Here's what we learn from this story. When a comeback is not possible is give Jesus your last meal. Give Jesus your last meal. There's a famine in the land, and God tells his prophet Elijah, go to Zarephath of Saddam. There's a widow there that's going to provide for you. Let me remind you that this widow was struggling 
kind of interesting. God sends him to this widow who doesn't have much. Her husband is dead. She has a little flour and a little oil left. She is preparing to make her last meal and Elijah shows up and gets in dialogue with the woman and and he, he says, hey, 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 lady, please make some bread for me first. The, the lady said, Elijah, listen, I only got a little flour left. I got a little meal left, a little, 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 little oil left. I'm going to make my last meal and die. It's over. And Elijah tells the lady, no, no, don't make a meal for you and your son. First, make a meal for me. And after you do that, whatever you got left over, then make a meal for you and your son. How many of you know she's thinking, what? <laughs> Come again? Did you not hear I got a little boy to feed? I got a little oil and a little flour left. Are you crazy? I've just got a little. And you want me to feed you first? You want me to give you my last meal. Friends, have you ever been there before? At the end of your rope, at your lowest point in life, and God asks you for your last meal. You see, our last meal represents our confidence in God. When we're at our absolute lowest and weakest, Jesus wants us to give him our last meal. He wants us to still place our confidence in him. Whatever we have left, Jesus says, I want you to give it to me. Place your last meal in my hands. You see, our last meal in our hands can only produce what we can provide. But our last meal in God's hand, God can produce what he can provide. And God can provide the supernatural you and I can only provide the natural. It doesn't make any sense to hold on to your last meal because you can't provide the supernatural. But if you'll take your last meal and put it in God's hand, he can provide supernatural peace, supernatural joy, supernatural strength. He can provide a miracle. He can provide hope. Put your last meal in God's hand. Don't put your confidence in you. When a comeback's not possible, don't put your confidence in your friend or your money or your job or your own wisdom. Give God your last meal. I'm talking to some of you today. You, you, you're at that point. Life is hard. You're, 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 a comeback's not possible. And, and you're wondering where you should go and where you should place your confidence. I'm telling you, give Jesus your last meal. Give him your life. Right, right now, decide, I'm going to give Jesus my future. I'm going to give him my disappointment. I'm going to give him the relationship. I'm going to give him the children. I'm going to give him the career. I only got a little bit of left, but I'm going to give what I have to Jesus. Put your confidence in God. I love how the psalmist said it in Psalm 71 and, and verse number one. The psalmist was going through trouble, going through trials. The psalmist was in the valley of life. And I love just the first three words. He begins this and says, in you, Lord, in you, Lord, have I taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame in you. Not God, I'm not trusting in me while I'm in this trial. I'm not trusting in friend or a job or the economy. I'm not leaning anything on anything else in you, Lord, have I taken refuge. Verse two, in your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock 
of refuge to which I can always go. I love this. I'm in trial, trouble. A comeback doesn't seem possible at all, but I will always go to you. God, I will give you my last meal. He goes on to say, give the command to save me for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. I love verse five. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. He said, when I was a little boy, I had confidence in you. I put my trust in you. I believed in you. And now that I'm an adult and life is a little challenging and things are not going my way and situations aren't turning out the way that I want them to turn out, God, I'm still going to put my confidence in you just like when I was a little boy. Just because I got a little money in my pocket, I got a car to drive, I got I got a job to go to. I'm not going to start trusting in me when trials and tribulations come. I'm still going to place my confidence in you. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. He says, I put my confidence in you since my youth. People's church, when a comeback's not possible, give Jesus your last meal. Keep placing your confidence in him. Say, Pastor, how do I do it? Let me give you one practical way on how you keep placing your confidence in Jesus when a comeback's not possible. It leads me to point number three, and that is this. Keep obeying God's word. Keep obeying God's word. I want you to notice this about this widow lady in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 13. It says, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small loaf of bread for me, from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Let me pause here. The only thing that really matters is what God says. When, when, when you're down to your last meal and a comeback's not possible, her husband's dead. The only thing that matters is the word of the Lord. Doesn't matter what people says. Doesn't matter what television says. It doesn't matter what the popular opinion of the day is. What matters is the word of the Lord. And this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. And I love verse 15. She went away and did. As Elijah had told her, friends, one of the most important things you need to do when a comeback is not possible is keep obeying God's word. Don't lose faith in God's word when a comeback is not possible. Keep reading the Bible. Keep obeying the Bible. Keep following God's word. This woman kept her faith in God's word even when a comeback wasn't possible. What I love about her is she did not allow her current reality, her current experience to become her new theology. This is so important to understand. This lady could have easily lost her trust in God's word. Her husband is dead. There's a famine in the land. Her and her son have been probably eating one meal a day trying to preserve the little food they had left and trying to stretch it out as far as they could. And they've been stretching it and stretching it and stretching it and stretching it. And now they're down to a little oil and a little flour, just enough for one more little pancake. And they don't even have any syrup to put on that bad boy. That's all they got left. And it's easy at this time in life for her experience in this season of life, she could easily say, God, 
his word's not true for me. Look at what I'm going through. She could easily shift her theology to say, well, God's not faithful to me. I don't trust God with all the pain that I'm going through. Her, her theology could have easily have been, I've got to do what I have to do and lean on me. Because obviously God's not faithful to me. But what I love about this widow lady is she kept her trust in God and his word. People's church, I want to sow a powerful thought of truth into your life that'll change your life. When a comeback isn't possible, don't make your experience your new theology. When a comeback is not possible, don't make your season or your current reality your new theology. When a loved one gets sick and dies, don't stop believing that God's a healer. I see people do that. Well, let me tell you what happened to me. So God, is, God must not be a healer. Listen, my mom died at 54, but I still believe God's a healer. I prayed for my brother last year for God to heal his body. God did not heal his body. But let me tell you, I still believe in the healing power of God. I'm not letting my experience shape my theology. I'm letting God's word shape my theology. Some would say, well, pastor, you don't understand that, you know, somebody got diagnosed with a sickness or a tragedy happens, so I don't know that God is good. No, 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 no. God is good if a tornado hits. God is good if a hurricane hits. God is good all the time, and my experience is not going to shape my theology. You got to be careful. Somebody says, well, I've seen one of my relatives fall into sin, and since they're in sin, God, he must not be a holy God, or his word about righteousness not, must not be true, so I'm going to now conform my theology to, to fit my experience you can't do that. You got to keep trusting God and God's word. You say, pastor, but I don't see financial provision in my life. Income's running low. But listen, God is still a provider and you got to trust in the Lord. You've got to lean on God. Don't let your experience shape your theology. Keep trusting God and his word. I, I love how the writer of Proverbs says it in Proverbs 3 and verse 5. He sums it up. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all. In other words, give Jesus your last meal. With all your heart, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And it's so easy when things are difficult and tough that we quit trusting in the Lord with all of our heart. We start leaning on our own understanding, leaning on our own wisdom, leaning on our own ingenuity. And the Bible says, don't you do that. You lean on God. You trust in God. You obey his word. You follow God. Even when things are tough, trust in the Lord. For some of you, that means even in the midst of your pain, next Sunday, get water baptized and say, Jesus, I still declare you're Lord of my life and I'm going public for you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to, I, I, I dare you today as you walk out to get signed up to be water baptized at the tables in the lobby and say, I'm still going public for you in the midst of my pain. For some of you, that means I'm going to go to growth track today and discover my purposes, kicking off today, a perfect Sunday to say, you know what, God, I still trust you. I still follow you. I believe you got a great plan for my life. I encourage you to get to the growth track room following this service today to say, God, I'm still going to follow you in spite of what I'm going through. For some of you, that means I'm going to start reading God's word every single day. You've been reading the newspaper. You've been reading your app. You've been reading lots of stuff, but you got to start reading God's word. 
You got, you got to start leaning on. Don't trust in you when times are trust, tough. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and start reading God's word. Be in church. Serve the Lord with all of your heart. Get in God's word. I encourage you to start doing the first 15. Pastor, what's the first 15? Give God the first 15 minutes of every day. Everybody has 15 minutes. Five minutes of prayer. Five minutes of worship, five minutes in God's word, five minutes of prayer, five minutes of worship, five minutes in God's word. Watch how it changes your life when you trust in the Lord with all of your heart. For some of you, it's not getting in God's word. You're in God's word. For some of you, it's obeying God's word. And that's what you have to start doing. You know, in certain areas of your life, you're not obeying God's word. You're leaning on your own understanding. You're leaning on your own wisdom. You're leaning on your own ways. And God is saying, no, right now in the midst of the storm and the risk of the trial, I know things are not turning out the way that you want them to, but quit leaning on you and start leaning back on me and trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Friends, when a comeback is not possible, keep obeying God's word. Number four is this. The fourth truth we learn from this text is God will give you grace for every season. God will give you grace for every season. Notice this in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 15. It says she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day. Notice it doesn't say there was food every week or they, were, they, they stored it up and, and put it in the freezer. Mm-mm. There was just food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up. It looked like every day was going to be used up, but it did not get used up. And the jug of oil did not run dry. It looked like it was going to run dry every day, but every day there was enough food for the day in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Her husband did not make a comeback. She still had pain in her heart. She still had the loss of income, but God sustained this widow lady, her son, and the prophet during this difficult season. Every day, God provided for her. He gave her grace after grace after grace. He provided grace for the season. I call it sustaining grace. And friends, if you will trust God, no matter what you face in life, God will provide grace for every season. God will provide sustaining grace. I think the Apostle Paul describes sustaining grace the best. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7, it says this. Paul says, or because of these surpassingly great revelations, therefore in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Satan is attacking me tormenting me there's a thorn in my flesh he says verse 8 three times I pleaded with the Lord take it away from me I know you're able God I know you're powerful my theology has not changed I know that you're able I know you can do it verse 9 but he said to me my grace is sufficient for you I'm able, I'm all powerful, but I'm choosing not to. And here's what I want you to know. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so Christ, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul has some kind of thorn in his flesh from Satan. 
I'm talking about the Apostle Paul, the pioneer, the, 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 the one who launched lots of churches that are in, in, the, in the early church. God used powerfully, wrote a third of the New Testament. He is being tormented by Satan, and we don't know exactly what the thorn was. And, and I think God doesn't tell us on purpose so that when you and I have a thorn in our flesh, we can just fill in the blank. So God doesn't tell us exactly what it is, but can I tell you, we all experience thorns. And what Jesus said to Paul, he says to you and I today, my grace is sufficient. I know what you're going through. And if you will lean on me, my grace is enough. Jesus is enough. No matter what situation you're facing, Jesus is enough to get you through any situation in life. If we are wealthy in this life and lose everything and we still have Jesus, Jesus is enough. His grace is sufficient. If we're healthy and lose our health and we still have Jesus, Jesus is enough. His grace is sufficient. If someone walks out on us and breaks our heart and we still have Jesus, Jesus is enough. His grace is sufficient. If we get laid off from our job and we still have Jesus, Jesus is enough. His grace is sufficient. If a loved one dies and we still have Jesus, Jesus is enough. His grace is sufficient. When a comeback is impossible, our comeback is Jesus is enough. His grace is sufficient the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 4 and verse 16 let us then approach God's throne of grace he'll give you grace after grace after grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need no matter what you're facing today there's grace for you. God has grace for every season. God has sustaining grace. There's sometimes you don't know how you're going to make it through, but you wake up two years later and you say, I don't know how I got through, but it was God's. It's grace. It's grace. It was grace. It was grace. It was grace. It was grace that got me through. My parents divorced, my heart was broken, confused and lonely, and gave my heart to Jesus shortly thereafter. And let me tell you, grace got me through. When my mother died at 54 years old in 2010, heartbroken, but grace, sustaining grace got me through when I buried my older brother at 46 years old and preached his funeral last fall with tears streaming down my face grace my grace is sufficient for you and I'm talking to somebody a comeback's not possible but Jesus is enough and his grace is sufficient in every season trust him lean on him trust his word keep your confidence in him his grace 
is sufficient.